Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Adderface, the former Republic of Ireland international Matt Holland and the TalkSport transfer guru, Alex Crook, as Spurs get a reality check and West Ham paid the penalty. Through all the first half, we were, we were really good, really strong, playing good. The game changed in the second half and, of course, we are disappointed. And we start opening ourselves and creating opportunities for Chelsea. Referee blows his whistle and then all the Manchester United players are rushing across to give David De Gea a massive hug and thank you. His penalty saved literally seconds from the end is what's won them the game here. West Ham won, Manchester United 2. All 10 games reviewed, every single situation looked at and the fallout from the London Stadium as well. VAR are you? As Walker gets away with one and Norwich Lose again. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Alex Crook is here and so is Matt Holland. Um, To be honest, the fact that we've got an Ipswich captain here and the worst uh, Norwich fan in history, the person who hates Norwich more than (laughs) anybody else, um, this is a bit of a anti-Norwich podcast they're going to ban us from ever going into the city limits which is not bad because it's miles away and I don't want to go there anyway um, so Matt how are you okay? Yes I'm very well indeed thank you yeah yeah. Um, I'm not that anti-Norwich but I'm, I'm not lie. disappointed to see where they are in the league don't lie you're worse than Ambrose uh, and, and Crook obviously I mean you're banned from the city anyway um, again I, I don't have any great dislikes <laughs> for Norwich I've, I've never known two liars <laughs> Talk such rubbish. What was interesting on Saturday night is uh, that I did get a couple of messages um, suggesting that maybe I had a point um, when I suggested their business model could be flawed in terms of being competitive in the Premier League. I mean, you do wonder now how many points, or should we say how few points, are they going to go back down with? Well, do you know what? Being serious for a minute, because we are being a bit tongue-in-cheek, because you two have had your uh, issues with Norwich. I know Matt's a little bit more diplomatic than you are, Crook, but then again... Donald Trump's more diplomatic than you are. Um, 15 straight consecutive Premier League losses. The first time that's ever happened under one manager. That is a real problem, isn't it? It, Just a bit. Just a bit. I mean, look, ultimately, the bottom line is they concede too many goals and too many individual mistakes. And when you do that, you're going to lose games. Um, I wondered whether it might be different this year because when they came up last time, they uh, they didn't spend any money. This time they have albeit, again, they've lost their best player from the championship. Um, that's the model that Crookie's talking about. Very difficult, though, you know, when, when someone comes in with an offer like Aston Villa did for, for Buendia um, to resist that money. 
But at the same time, you want to be competitive. As I say, they have reinvested a little bit more this summer, which I thought would give them a better chance. But they are still conceding far too many goals. I don't know if you listened to the Thursday podcast, Matt, but um, Alex was quite downbeat. He was quite you know, distressed about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. How are you feeling tonight? It was a win. It wasn't the most convincing. Looking good in the league table. But again, my concern for United when you compare them to, say, Chelsea or even Manchester City is that they do concede goals. Clean sheets are hard to come by and I think that could be quite important at the end of the season. They can't keep falling behind away from home and, and winning. I know the stats tell us otherwise. Well, but that isn't true, is it? But because it's a they, dangerous game to play. Because they won 10 games when conceding first last season and they've won this weekend when conceding first. So they can do it. Maybe it just sparks and, and them crookie, into life. Crookie, let me ask you about his subs. Great subs. Great well, subs. You've got to credit that. Yeah. Well, he did get one wrong for me. When he took Pogba off, I'd have taken Fred off and put Pogba in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Um, because Fred Fred was having a nightmare. So I would have I would have made that change. Uh, but Lingard, of course, coming off the bench and scoring and Matic set him up as well. So he did get his subs right, Crookie. Freddie yep. having a nightmare on Green Street. I've heard but that before somewhere. Fred was just having a Fred, I think. Um, that, that was the sort of standard performance. But yeah, you're right. I, um, actually, in commentary with David Connolly, he was saying the same, that it should be... Uh, Fred replaced and, and, and Pogba moved to, to play alongside McTominay but it was written in the stars wasn't it that Jesse Lingard would, would come on and, and score the winner great strike as well but they were one missed penalty away from dropping two more points we should remember that I must admit I thought Sunday was a brilliant day of football I thought it was fantastic stories lots of intrigue loads of sort of debating points as well so we might as well get into them Ivan Tony, who scored and also had two goals disallowed, rides the challenge of Kilman down the left-hand side, pulls it back, Abuemo! Brilliant goal for Brentford! They lead by two goals to nil! Cater at the edge of the area! Oh! Naby oh! Cater <laughs> makes it Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace nil. Burnley nil, Arsenal 1, what a free kick by Martin Odegaard. The goal is given, and surely now, Watford are going to claim all three points at Carrow Road, and surely now, it's going to be played. Played five, lost five for Norwich City. It's Norwich one, Watford three. Southampton can take plenty of encouragement from this performance. City drawing a rare blank at home. Final score, Manchester City nil, Southampton nil. Bailey has been played through by Ings. He's darting down the left-hand side. He's nodded the ball into the penalty A left-footed drive. Hello! Smash! Grab! Wallop! West Ham have brought on their specialist kicker, who's Mark Noble. Mark Noble has paid it to the right-hand side of David De Gea, who has made the save! And Manchester United get out of jail! Oh, what a game here as well. It's finished Brighton 2, Leicester 1. Brighton going third with a fourth win from their opening five matches. It wasn't without plenty of controversy, though. The VAR gods very much smiling down on Graham Potter's men this afternoon, it has to be said. And it's the equaliser. Newcastle United 1, Leeds United 1. And it is the flying machine for Newcastle, Alan Son Maximum. Tottenham nil, Chelsea three, game over. Antonio Rudiger, another defender on the score sheet for Chelsea. Tottenham nil, Chelsea three, and Chelsea absolutely ran this game from start to finish. Maybe they rode a little bit of an early storm, but after that, they were in complete control of the fixture. It should have been more than the uh, three goals that they scored. Romelu Lukaku, hold-up play was fantastic. Centre-forward play was brilliant. Chelsea missed a couple of big chances, actually, in the second half. Tottenham were all over the place. 
And if ever you needed an indication about the, the, the difference in the level between these two teams, today was it? Yeah, we had a few um, angry Tottenham callers on the boot room on Sunday night, not happy with Daniel Levy, not happy with Nuno. One or two concerned with the form of Harry Kane. It was something that I touched on last week. Darren you did, Lewis you did, you did. shot me down, but actually Clive Allen came out on Sports Breakfast the weekend and said the same, that Harry Kane to him looks like a player who is still feeling sorry for himself, having not got that dream move to Manchester City. On Premier League form, Manchester City might just be thinking they've dodged a bit of a bullet by not paying so much money because he looks so far off the pace. But here's a question um, for you two. Do you think... Daniel Levy has made a mistake by keeping a player against his will. Would he not have been better to swallow his pride, cash in and reinvest in revamping that squad because they are so short in so many areas? Hey, look, I've said this and I said this to you and Darren Lewis on the preview podcast when we all got together in this studio couple of weeks ago, I thought it was a lose-lose situation when they didn't do the deal with Manchester City. And the reason I thought that was is because I thought... Tottenham had overvalued Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. I thought that Manchester City were willing to play, pay a price that nobody else was going to pay. I don't think he's ever going to get any better. No disrespect, he's 28, 29. He, he, he's not going to get any better than he is right now. And Tottenham could have used that money to build their club like Aston Villa have built theirs. If you look at Aston Villa on Saturday night, they played Everton. You looked at the Villa bench and you thought, blimey, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. They've got a good first 11 and they've got a magnificent bench. Now, I don't think we should therefore sort of downgrade Harry Kane's achievements. Last year, he was the top scorer. He was the top assist maker in the Premier League. He's obviously been brilliant for England as well. But if you're going to offer £120 million for a player, you've got to, in order to turn that down, you've got to be pretty confident that either that player is going to deliver for you or you've got enough around him to bring the best out of him going forward if you're going to insist on keeping him. And Tottenham don't have that, Matt Holland. I think I think it's a couple of great points you've made, Sam, to be honest. That when, if you compare Spurs' bench to Aston Villa's, I was actually at Villa as well on Saturday, um, and they had so many options off the bench to come on and change things. You look at Tottenham's bench, they don't have that luxury. I'm with you as well. I, I, I would have sold Harry Kane. Um, I, I don't think he's the type of character personality that's going to down tools, but at the same time, it, it, it's yeah, going to have an effect, move. Matt, isn't it? It will, even if you're a fantastic professional, as yeah. you were, if you believed in your heart you were going to join Manchester City, and then that was snatched away from you, psychologically, that's going to leave a scar. Well, it, he had his heart set on that move quite clearly, and. And why wouldn't he as well, in all honesty, when he when he looks across at Man City, what they've achieved in the last few seasons and what they can achieve in the next few seasons, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? So you can you can understand why he's disappointed that that move didn't happen. Frustrated, I guess, by maybe the style of football that, that Tottenham are playing. One goal from open play so far this season. Back-to-back 3-0 defeats now as well. Don't look like they're going to be anywhere near challenging for the top honours, which is you know, ultimately what he would have been doing at Man City. So you can understand his frustration. You don't want to be too hard on them. But, you know, watching that game today, they were rubbish. Yeah, they were woeful. Second half so- lethargic, weren't they? I mean, so they looked really tired and lethargic. I mean, whether that's, you know, your 
football, the game on Thursday. It's not the point. The fact is, it's a bit like Pep saying I only had 10 minutes to prepare for the Southampton game. The calendar is the calendar. The, ultimately, yeah. you've got to deal with the, the, the hand that you are given. And ultimately, I do think Thursday night football, I do think Thursday night football is more difficult. I'll be honest with you. You know, having, having done that myself, played Thursday night football for some reason, whatever it is, psychologically, I think it is more difficult for the players to adapt to. So I think you can give them a little bit of leeway in that respect. But they do look, they did look really lethargic in that second half. You both wanted to talk about Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Uh, it was a question I asked on the boot room on Sunday. Is Thomas Tuchel the best manager in the Premier League right now? And, and the reason I asked that question, A, because he just won the Champions League, but B, his in-game management is something we touched on at the top of the programme with Solskjaer that maybe got right on Sunday, certainly got wrong in midweek. And Golo Conte makes a massive difference. Exactly. And he was bold and he made that change because Tottenham were in the game in the first half, but by making that substitution, he took the game away from Spurs. And he did the same the previous week when Villa were causing them some problems, yep. took off Sound Aguez, and it was a completely different second half. That, for me, is the mark of a really good manager and someone right at the top of his game. And no respect for reputations either, which is what I like, you know, because it doesn't matter how big a name you are. If you're not performing, you'll be off. doesn't matter who you are. You know, he's just signed Saul, but he wasn't doing it. He takes him off. Mason Mount's been the model of consistency, you know, since he's, since he's broken into the team at Chelsea. I think Thomas Tuchel's a big fan of his. He wasn't doing it. He takes him off. He's got no respect for reputations. He makes a decision that benefits the team. And ultimately, that's why he's such a top manager. Let's move on to West Ham United against uh, Manchester United. It finished West Ham 1, Manchester United 2, but it could have finished a completely different scoreline had some of the penalties been given. I actually thought that justice was done in a weird sense because mm. I believe that Ronaldo deserved at least one of his penalties. And I don't think that... Um, I don't think the sequence of events was right. I thought they should have checked the Ronaldo penalty before they checked the penalty which went against Luke Shaw for having his arm out to the left-hand side. I do think in the current climate that is a penalty, but I think there was a one previously that should have been addressed beforehand. It wasn't. Ultimately, Mark Noble comes off the bench to take a penalty in stoppage time. He misses that penalty or it's saved by David De Gea, despite the predictions of Alex Crook, who said there was no chance he was going to save it. <laughs> um, but he did. Um, Reverse and, psychology. Yeah, do you know what? It's a great statistic as well, isn't it, when you look at it? Because um, David De Gea only uh, saving the third penalty in 32 Premier League penalties that he's faced. I mean, you know, great timing. But ultimately, VAR had a bit of a tough weekend anyway, and this game sort of encapsulated that. Yeah, it was a shambles. Uh, I have to say it added to the spectacle. It was probably one of the best oh, games that I've commented on this season. I think West Ham played their part in that. I mean, Matt talked about Tottenham being jaded after playing on Thursday night. West Ham didn't look jaded at all. Um, they more than played their part in the well, game. They had several chances, especially in that first half, they did. to take the lead. They did, arguably the better team in the first half. Ronaldo does what Ronaldo does. And then, as you say, then suddenly the, the, the referees and the VAR take centre stage. I agree with you. I think Ronaldo, they're very unlucky not to get at least one penalty. I wonder if that was a case of reputation for going down too easily preceding him. I do think it was a penalty for handball by Luke Shaw. It was a strange decision from David Moyes, given that we saw that he backfired when Gareth Southgate tried to bring on players cold to take a spot kick. It was Mark Noble's only kick of the game. Big pressure 
on his shoulders, even for such an experienced player. And you could see what it meant to De Gea by the way that he was engulfed by his teammates, he was hugged by the coaching staff and I think there was a bit of a, a fallout from the Europa League when of course he didn't cover himself in glory in the shootout. And really that was um, the crowning moment of what's been a good season so far for David De Gea. He seems to have got his composure back, he seems to have got his confidence back and, and at the moment he looks a very good goalkeeper. It well, was a hard-fought win for United. Well, man, Matt Holland, it's been a good start to the season for Manchester United despite not playing particularly well in all of the games. Yeah, it, it, well, yeah, results-wise, I mean, they, you know, it's been a decent start. Just just quickly on the on the handball, because whilst I agree with you, I don't, there's not much more I can add to what you've already said about that game. Um, but on the handball, honestly, it, it it's a law that frustrates me beyond belief. Why? Because, well, because Luke Shaw, naturally, his balance, for his balance, his arm's going to be out, okay? The ball hit, and, and I agree, it's a penalty, by the letter of the law, it's, an, it's a penalty. And because of what we've why... seen so far this season, if you look back to Ben Davies last week, you're giving the similar sort of penalty. But I know what you're going to say. The distance between kicker distance. and hand is almost impossible to bridge. It, well, it, it's impossible for him to get out of the way. Yeah. It's impossible, it's impossible for, that not, for him not to, to, to hit that not to hit his hand. So I, I'm a, I, don't know, I don't know the answer. I don't know whether there should be a certain distance that it has to travel before it hits a hand. Um, but... Honestly, the law, I still, I'm not a fan of it. We might talk about the one that was given at uh, Brighton today against Vestergaard because that's another one where you're thinking you're sort of scratching your head as to as to why it's given. But it's all to do understand. with the fact that you're making your body unnaturally bigger and the accusation is is that your arms don't need to be there so therefore when they are there, you run the risk of giving away a penalty. How and that- stupid does it look? How stupid does it look when defenders are running with their arms behind their back? Yeah, I agree with you, but that because is the it's law. Unnatural. That's and- unnatural. To run with your hands behind your back is unnatural. And, and I totally Ask agree with Usain you. Ask Usain Bolt to run the 100 metres with his arms tied behind his back. He's never going to be able to do it. And I agree He's with you, but it. ultimately, that is the law. Everybody knows the law and it is going to get punished. And unfortunately... I understand that. I understand that and it is a penalty by the letter of the law, but I just had to bring that up. Sorry. Okay. Well, fair enough. We we, we, we probably concur with you, but ultimately, we're, we're, I think that penalty would never have happened had Ronaldo's penalty been given at the other end. No. And and we're here, Matt, for you on a Sunday night to, to get Thank stuff you. off your chest. <laughs> I, needed to, I needed to vent that. Midnight Caller with Matterface and Crook taking your gripes and grievances whenever you like. Uh, elsewhere in that game, I thought Jesse Lingard obviously coming off the bench and scoring what ultimately was the winning goal was quite an ironic turn of events. Yeah, especially as he was being cheered during the warm-up and then booed by West Ham fans as he came on. I that was... he was quite respectful with his celebration, though. I mean, it's very difficult for him. He had a really great time there and it almost relaunched his career. Yeah, and he might well end up back there. There's still a possibility that that may happen in, in some transfer window in the future. But I guess it's vindication for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It was his decision to, to keep Jesse Lingard in the building and he's come up with two goals off the bench already this season. It, it, it's, always, it's always a great debate, isn't it, whether you should celebrate against a team that you played for and whether, whether you should be respectful or, or how you should respond when you score a goal like that. And, and I agree it was, it was a respectful celebration from him, you know, but you, your team, your team have just won the game or you think you've won the game. Your, your natural self just takes over, doesn't it? At times. So he did well to sort of hold that in a little bit. Did, you, great did you ever score you against your former team? Didn't uh, I did? I scored against Bournemouth in a in a uh, testimonial. I, 
Uh, what did I, I hit the post again, Ipswich. I set a goal up. This is a good one. I okay. set a goal up for Ambrose for Charlton against Ipswich. We, I think we won the game 4 1 or something. Ambrose scored. Ambrose scored. And, a, and guess what? It was a header. Crikey. Wow. Can we get the audio of that? Because every Sunday night on the boot room, when we introduce him, we play the same goal at Old Trafford. Like, it's the only goal he ever goal. scored. <laughs> True story. I crossed the ball for him and he headed. He scored a header. And um, my natural reaction, because it was at the end where the Ipswich fans were at Charlton, I ran to the halfway line celebrating just because we'd scored the goal. So just, you know, it's your natural reaction. OK, let's turn our attention to the uh, final game on Sunday, which was Brighton 2, Leicester 1. Another very, very good game, by the way. Uh, Jamie Vardy scoring his uh, 150th goal on his 250th start for Leicester City. But this, again, was mired in controversy in terms of penalties given and not given and goals given and not given. Uh, Brighton win 2-1, mainly because of the Mopai penalty, puts them in front. Welbeck's goal, brilliant header at the near post, I think, Jamie Vardy at the near post, not particularly great. And the goalkeeper didn't cover himself in glory either. But towards the end of the game, Leicester come back into it and they score twice to win the game 3-2. But both goals are ruled out because Harvey Barnes is apparently standing in the goalkeeper's eye line. Matt, you watched the game. I thought the first one, okay, yeah, all right. He's, he's getting in the way of Robert Sanchez. The second one, I'm not having it. What about you? Yeah, a bit the same, really. I mean, I, mean, I think they were... I think Graham Potter said himself it was a, a little bit of luck that that helped us um, beat Leicester because it was. I mean, I, again, this is another one, a bit like the handball, really, that that probably needs to be looked at, doesn't it? Because how much interference was there from Harvey Barnes? Well, I mean, I think you have to assess the fact. I mean, the law states that does it imp- impede the goalkeeper from playing the ball? And I think in the first one, you could argue that it possibly did impede uh, Robert Sanchez by the movement of Harvey Barnes when the header comes in from Sumare because he's sort of I mean I think he's to the right of him but okay you could argue that there was an impediment there for the second one it's got absolutely no bearing on the goal because indeed his header is so fierce and so high that Harvey Barnes is not getting involved in that well Sanchez isn't going to get it either is he no he's got no chance of getting it anyway wait <sighs> I, I, well, I, the only thing you'll say is in the eye line isn't he of Robert Sanchez mm. in both instances he is he is in the eye line but again it's I think I think they're a bit fortunate I think well they are very fortunate to get away with it to be honest Stuart Atwell had another poor game I mean he had a get poor game last weekend in the game against uh, between Chelsea and Aston Villa he had a poor game again this weekend I think yeah it, it was strange this weekend because I think by and large we, we would all agree that VAR has been much improved this season, but yeah. it's, it's felt like we took a step backward um, this weekend. We talked about the United game. We're going to come on to that. So, Hampton penalty and, and this Leicester situation as well. That You could argue that maybe both goals could have been given. Certainly the second one, I think Leicester will feel really hard done by. And they done me out of a, a, a 2-2 prediction as well, those uh, VAR errors. But that, That's what's keeping Brendan Rodgers up tonight. <laughs> but let's wax lyrical about Brighton, shall we? Sat in the top four, five games yeah. into the season. Uh, Who we all, would have thought that they would be in the top half of the table? Well, I think to be fair, you you've thought same as me that if they could get a number nine in, yeah. then that would be the missing piece in the jigsaw. They didn't get a number nine in, and they're still prospering. So I, my, credit, my credit to Graham of, Potter. My prediction of them finishing in the top half of the table was entirely based on data, and that was that they couldn't be as bad in front of goal as they were last season. They've started to keep clean sheets, 
and they've started to well they created so many opportunities last year that if they put half of those away they'd be in the top half of the table and it and so it proved right okay let's get to game day In behind Dinia, into the area, played in by Douglas Louise. Matthew Cash scores a fantastic goal in front of me. Colton, it's an absolute belter. Brilliant running from Matthew Cash, coming inside behind Luca Dinia. Lovely ball by Douglas Louise, and he slides down in front of the supporters and celebrates his first goal of the season in Aston Villa colours. Leon Bailey to take it, away to our right-hand side. Three players right in the middle of the six-yard box, one at the back edge of that. It goes in towards the near post, it's flicked on and in! Leon Bailey claims the assist. I think there was an Everton body that got a final touch. But it's Leon Bailey making an immediate impact after coming off the bench here at Villa Park. And Luca Dean has scored an own goal. Aston Villa 2, Everton 0. Aston Villa have come to life. Oh, it's been played through by Ings. He's darting down the left-hand side. He's nodded the ball into the penalty. A left-footy drive. Hello! Smash! Grab! Wallop! What a finish! From Leon Bailey. Saturday saw Aston Villa win by three goals to nil against Everton. I think I spoke to Dean Smith after the game and I suggested that last week when they'd lost to Chelsea by three goals to nil was probably a flattering scoreline. And this week, maybe similarly as well. I actually thought Aston Villa were the best team in the game and they deserved to win. Everton struggled because of the fact that they missed Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Pickford and Coleman and their squad isn't great. And you look at the benches and I mentioned it to you earlier on. I was absolutely blown away by the fact that Aston Villa had so many great players on the bench. You know, they could bring Bertrand Traore on, Leon Bailey on, Ashley Young on, Nakamba on. There were unused substitutes like Buendia in the Aston Villa squad. I mean, they have utilised the windfall that they got from the Jack Grealish money incredibly well. And and it was a great game to watch. Great forward planning on Aston Villa's part because I think it was clear from about May that Jack Grealish was going to go and that they managed to get the pieces in place to make that a pretty seamless transition. It was the weekend of the Super Sub, really, wasn't it? Jesse Lingard off the bench uh, for United and, and Leon Bailey coming off the bench and making a real impact. 18 minutes. He was only Villa. on the pitch for 18 minutes because yeah. he had to be subbed because of a quad injury. Yeah, and that's the talent he has. I think he just needs to produce it on a consistent basis. I'm at Old Trafford for game day next Saturday. Manchester United. Are you? You have, I haven't heard that. <laughs> Manchester United. You haven't against, been talking about that. Manchester United against Aston Villa. I think that'll be another terrific game. Villa high in confidence right now. I, I actually um, disagree with you, Sam. I mean that that Villa didn't deserve to win. Perhaps three 0 I think they did. I thought they were. The, I thought they dominated the game. Thought they were lively, sharper, hungrier. Um, Everton were. I and I think we should caveat. There is a caveat that they had no. Richarlison, no Dominic Calvert-Lewin, no Pickford, no Coleman as well. I think it was a big loss. Yeah. Um, but the way they set up, they were just waiting to be beat, to be honest. I agree with you. I thought, uh, you know, they had a couple of good opportunities. Rondon had a great opportunity in the first half. If that had gone Early in, I think it would be slightly different. Uh, he had two in quick succession. Damari Gray, I thought, was lively. Townsend, I thought, was lively, actually, as yeah. well. 
Yeah, it's defensively. Played. It looks a bit unbalanced when Coleman isn't available. It's yeah, but, a problem. But, but I, I didn't. Un- one thing I didn't understand is why they went to a back four when really it was set up for a back three. I thought Iwobi would play as a right wing back well, and they'd play three centre halves, Matt. Against Burnley, they played the back the back three and it didn't look particularly good, did it? And when they went to a back four, they they were better. So you, reason why he went to to the to the back four. Um, Damari Gray was their liveliest player but the way they set up though honestly two banks of four Damari Gray just dropped in trying to get around Douglas Louise they were very narrow and the two wing backs were causing them so many problems oh, and actually that, that change when he made the change Leon Bailey oh. he went to a, almost a back four himself then out of um, in possession yep. and said to Leon Bailey just go just go and get a good play high up the pitch and you felt that if there was a goal going to come it was going to come from the wide areas and of course, it, it was Matty Cash that, that got the first one, you know, diving in from that right. Those, you know, both he and Matt Target th- throughout the game were bombing on and get delivering balls into the box. And you felt it was always, a, it was only a matter of time because Everton was so narrow, so tight. So they were saying, Don't, we're not going to play through the middle, but you can go out wide. Well, Villa took advantage of that. And, and ultimately, it was Matty Cash that got the opener. Well, Matty Cash, as you say, um, had a couple of chances in the first half, actually, and then converted one in the second. He was in pole position when Douglas Louise played that ball down the right channel. And it's good that he's in pole position because he could end up playing for Poland in the World Cup because apparently his mum is half Polish oh, and wow. uh, they are they are sort of tickling around uh, well, well, the text messages and phone calls. He's in the worst position to try and get in the England squad, well, isn't I think he, that's, to be honest? That, that's a big thing, actually, because he talked about that. I spoke to him about it afterwards and he said, you know, look, my mum's Polish. I'm well happy to, to go and play for Poland. I'm not, not going to get in the England squad, so, so I might as well try it. And well, what about his reaction to the goal as well? Oh, he loved it. How, no, but how good was that to yeah, see? The unbridled great. joy, the celebration, the sprint. The, it's his first goal for Villa, isn't it? Yes, it is. His first goal since um, playing for Nottingham Forest in 2020. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. That that real joy and, and the, the feeling of, of, you know, that he's scored the goal, he's, he's off and running. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, and also I thought uh, good performances from Liam Bailey. I thought we, we've mentioned him, picked up an injury, but whatever. Uh, he, he should be back in the not-too-distant future. They reckon they caught it early. And I, I actually thought all round Aston Villa looked like a very, very good team. And Jacob Ramsey, who's only very young, he's only 20 years of age, he's played the last two games against Chelsea and against Everton. I think he's been outstanding, Matt. Great player. Great play. Consistently finds that space, doesn't he? In behind the opposition midfield, in the gap. And he, and he runs with and without the ball. When I, when I say that, he's happy to take it to feet and run with it, take people on but he'll also run without it and run beyond the defence as well and get in behind them. I thought it was excellent. Liverpool beat Crystal Palace by three goals to nil. It was not as routine as the scoreline suggests. Even Jurgen Klopp saying, this is one of the hardest three nils of my life. Jurgen Klopp refreshing the whole of the back four. Canate getting a debut. Two new full-backs. Alexander was, Alexander-Arnold was ill. Uh, they almost went behind early on. It didn't immediately gel. Alisson was quite busy. And Benteke wanted a penalty when Simicas challenged him. Should he have had one? Yes. I think it was, again, a, a real uh, clear-cut decision. And I can't believe, A, that the on-field official didn't spot it and, B, that VAR didn't pick it up either. And, it was a kick, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and that would have been a game-changer. If Crystal Palace go 1-0 up at Anfield, it could change the whole course of the afternoon. As it was, they had some chances. Zaha early on. I thought Edward should have scored when but he came on. 1-0 down. It's an absolute sitter, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, they, they had good moments, Crystal Palace. And um, I think the frustrating thing for Patrick Vieira, and he, he articulated it after the game, was that they conceded from 
three set pieces. Yeah. You know, if you do that at a place like Anfield, you make your job very difficult. Uh, Sadio Mane got his 100th Liverpool goal uh, on his 150 appearance. Uh, Salah on the score sheet too. Again, he's just an elite player, isn't he? Cater scoring a stunner. His first in 14 months. That was some goal, wasn't it, Matt? That was a beauty. Absolute beauty. Yeah, he caught that sweetly. You're right about Mo Salah. I mean, Mo Salah's in brilliant form. He started the season. I was at Norwich, first game of the season, and he was electric, Mo Salah. And first four or five games, he's been brilliant. He's been there. He's been the one that's driven them on. Um, the big difference this season is the defence, though, isn't it? When you look back at what happened last year with Liverpool and the injuries that they had at the back and the signings that they made in January to try and you know, fix it and you know, plug the... The, the whole, it, the, the difference that when they're all fit, it, it makes is unbelievable, even without the, t- the two fullbacks as well um, yesterday. So, so they're flying high. A brilliant symmetry as well, actually. I think they've got exactly the same score lines as Chelsea up until this point now. Up until this point. Have they? Really? Is, Five is it games al- in, they've got exactly the same is it, scores. Is it alphabetic order, which is separating Chelsea Yeah, they're both on plus 11, aren't they? Manchester United on plus yeah. 8. Plus yeah, 11. So the same goal scored, same uh, conceded. Identical results. Oh, All the way up is, to this point. That is interesting. Who's top, though? I can't work it out. Joint top. Who's top? Joint top. Who's top? Joint top. If it was sort of settled now, who would, who would be top? So I'd, joint top. You are actually joint top. Who is? Sorry, I can't, you said you. I didn't really <laughs> hear who that was. Um, okay, Brentford beat Wolverhampton Wanderers away from home by two goals to nil. It's Brentford's first ever Premier League away win. Ivan Tony had the ball in the net very early. It was Brentford from the first minute, really. The boy could have had a three, to be honest with you. VAR denying a beautiful backheel goal uh, for a handball, which is really unfortunate because it was beautiful to look at. Uh, then he made the second. He was just uncontainable in this game. Yeah, he was. And uh, I think he's starting to come into the conversation now when it comes to a potential England call-up. Bearing in mind that Patrick Bamford is has had his call up. I know he's had to wait patiently, but Tony's form since the start of this season has been better than his. I you think. wouldn't want to play him, would you? Exactly. I think he's a, a real handful for any defence. He's got all different attributes to his game. He scores all different kinds of goals. And we've had him on the boot room a couple of times. He, he just exudes confidence. You can see that with a penalty. I mean, what a penalty that he was. He is cocky as hell, isn't he? But yeah, but I mean, in, a in, nice a way. Way. in a nice way. Yeah. In, in a nice way. In a but, way. But I've got to say, I got this game completely wrong. Um, yeah, we both did. We I put a couple of Wolves players in my fantasy team. I thought they would win the game yeah. because I thought they'd be playing quite well, but they were well beaten. Yeah, in you the wouldn't end. believe this, Matt. He convinced me to put Marcel in my uh, in my fantasy <laughs> team, nightmare, which was an absolute nightmare because the first goal um, obviously comes from the penalty in which Marcel is basically trying to take yeah. Tony's shirt off. Um, he it, got it, far it, too close to him. You said that Tony's had, Tony had the ball in the back of the net three times, could have had a hat-trick. He has had a hat-trick this season. He's got three Man of the Match awards for Brentford yeah. in five games. He's that good, but he's involved in everything. You know, He isn't just staying up top and stretching defences. He comes and holds the ball up. He links play. He, he, he's tracking back, filling in at left back and right back at times. He's absolutely everywhere. And he's he's been brilliant so far. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Right, let's turn our attention to Newcastle against Leeds on Friday night. Newcastle won, Leeds won. Look, it was a good game, this. I know Brilliant. Steve Bruce ended up getting a lot of stick and the fans weren't happy about it. It was a cracker of a match to watch. It was lots of chances, especially in the first half. Do you know what? And Newcastle fans are probably going to jump on this, but... Hold on. Hold on. You can't go to Norwich. Please don't restrict the country anymore for you. No, but I thought it was disgraceful, some of the chants. We want Bruce out. You know, it was a, it was a fantastic game of football. But they do. Two teams going head-to-head. Sam Maximam, oh, he's absolutely sensational. Give the guy a break. You finished 12th last season. Nowhere near the relegation places in the end. He's had bad luck with injuries already this season. We know Callum Wilson. I think he's doing all right, Steve Bruce. I think Zero he, investment. Yeah, he gets so much flack. You know, and Mike Ashley will be loving this because all the time the managers getting stick, they forget about what a bad owner they've got. And by the way, King Rafa Benitez was it not he who decided that Ivan Tony wasn't good enough to play in the Premier League for Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, uh, to say that um, Steve Bruce is is the Messiah would probably be a bit too much. I think. I I mean, the argument is is that he was given a quite a solid base on which to build, Matt, and 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 has dismantled that. Well, just on, on t- Tony and Adam Armstrong. I mean, they might not have been ready, you know, when they were at Newcastle. So you have to sort of give Rafa Benitez a little bit of slack there. They might not have been ready at that point. They might have needed to go out somewhere else and, and play first. Um, I just I, think I mean, the stick he gets, Matt, is is really unfair. Yeah, I, I do, to be honest. I do, because th- there hasn't been a lot of investment at, at Newcastle. And so I, I do feel that he gets undue um, criticism at times. And I know Newcastle fans jump on it and they don't like the style of play. They don't like this and they don't like that about Steve Bruce. Um, but without Callum Wilson as well, I, I, I just what do you want him to do? I, I, I think Sam Maximum was superb. It, oh. was a great, it was a great game. 38 shots in the game. Brilliant. It was a, it was a good watch. It was a really good, good watch. Um, so why, yeah, can't, why not just enjoy the football enjoy the spectacle and leave him alone for one night and, and here's the question Newcastle fans get in touch with us if you want if he's not Steve Bruce hold on who's at Alex underscore crook is that right on who's Twitter? going to do a better job in, in these circumstances or is it at whelp tell me tell me <laughs> the Norwich fans have this thing where they call him the whelp it's brilliant I love it <laughs> one Norwich fan yeah no, but we'll, I mean let's just start it off the whelp um, yeah, look, I, I thought it was a great game and I, and I really enjoyed watching it. And Alan Sam Maximam, he's just, I, I don't know what it is about him. I don't know if it's the look, it's the style, it's the build. I mean, Adama Traore gets a lot of um, love for his physicality and his running and taking on people and coming up with brilliant swashbuckling take-ons, but doesn't have the end product. Whereas Alan Sam Maximam, he's not the same player but he does have the ability to take players on. He does entertain. And he ends up coming up with the end product, which is something that I think probably should be credited, Matt. He's, he's the unpredictable is what it is with, with Alan St. Maximan. 
And, you know, he, he might not be conventional. He might frustrate you as a manager at times because he doesn't want to track back or he doesn't want to fill in. He doesn't want to do. But actually, do you know what? Enjoy what he can do. Yeah. And he can do things different and he can do things that, that get you a point like like he did against Leeds on Friday night. He can make a difference in games. Sometimes as a manager, you have to embrace that. And it might frustrate the rest of the team at times that he, that he doesn't quite fit into the system or whatever it might be. But they recognise how important he is because he's unpredictable and he does, as you quite rightly say, have an end product. OK, uh, that was a game that was a good match to watch. Manchester City versus Southampton was not. It finished <laughs> nil-nil. Even Pep says he feels guilty about it. I think it was a great match to watch for Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, and <laughs> he looked that... resplendent in that tartan <laughs> tie and tight waistcoat. But you know what? That was a victory for coaching. And uh, Ralph is, is a manager who likes to, to spend a lot of time with his players on the training pitch. He likes to come up with a game plan. He likes to improve their fitness. And I think that all came to the fore. And a lot of people feared the worst for Southampton when they sold Danny Ings, they sold Vestergaard, they let Ryan Bertrand leave, they put their faith in some youngsters in um, Livermento in particular from Chelsea who's been excellent Very good. since coming in Very good. Um, and I think they've done okay yes they haven't won a game yet but if you look at the teams they've played Manchester United who are going to finish in the top four <laughs> Manchester City who are going to finish in the top four if not win the league West Ham who were the sixth best team last season alright Newcastle away Everton who've had a good start under Rafa Benitez it's been a tricky run of fixtures and I think they can be quite pleased I do quite like that though because you I mean never won for a bold statement I mean you, you, you love to go in two footed on Norwich but it, it, the way you hid that yeah but they haven't won a game yet um, yeah but there's mitigating circumstances well, there's mitigating it's, it's, circumstances for everyone Norwich have had a tough start to the season they've yeah but they're Arsenal. rubbish um, at, at least let, with South, let, Southampton you can see a work in progress I think they fully deserve their point they should have had all three because it was a penalty for me okay so let's let talk about this go on let me ask you Crookie about, about Southampton yep are they going to finish higher than 15th I think they'll finish around there and I think given the upheaval that would be a, a, a good they're, Job. They're going to be. They're going to be in the relegation mix. They're going to be one of the teams that are down there this season, aren't they? I don't fear they'll go down. Um, let's talk about the penalty decision. I think. I think it's a penalty. Actually, I do think it's a well, penalty, and I think John Moss initially thinks it's a penalty because he gives the penalty and sends off Carl Walker because he believes that Walker hasn't played the ball, has no intention of playing the ball, and has brought down Armstrong. Well, it's it's definitely not a red card though because he tr- does. When you look at it over and over again, you realise he does try to play the ball and Armstrong is actually off the floor before Walker makes his challenge. So it's not a red card. And immediately, once you know it's not a red card, then this is where the debate comes because VAR has to point out, hey, John, it's not actually a red card. You've got to go and look at the monitor and overturn that. Once he makes that decision to VAR, he hands it over to John Moss. John Moss gets to watch seven, eight replays and then he decides on reviewing the evidence that he made the wrong decision. It's not even a penalty. I actually can't understand why he did that. I think he could have just rescinded the red card and said, you did make a genuine attempt to play the ball. Here is the penalty. Crack on, Southampton. He didn't do that. And I think that's a mistake. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. I mean, yeah, it wasn't a red card because there was a genuine attempt to win the ball. But there's there's no way that is a... A, a clear and obvious error. Yeah, but the red card is the clear and obvious error. So the VAR exactly. intervenes on that point. And is that, so he is sends it, over to the monitor. Presumably that's why they sent him to the monitor. Exactly, yeah. When re- referees go to the monitor, they feel as though they've made a wrong decision. He has with the red card. So overturn that one, give him a, a yellow. But that's John Moss's fault, not the VAR. He's a poor that, referee, John Moss. 
he's a poor referee and he's been found out there. Well, it's one mistake, rookie. It's not one mistake. There's a catalogue if you go back. Is there? Yeah. I'll buy that. What what, what shop's that in that catalogue? <laughs> even I, Sam, who is the protector of referees, is not disagreeing with me on this no, one. No, I, I quite like John Moss and I've been drinking with him in Barbados, so I'm not going to have a go at him. <laughs> <laughs> just, hang on, let me just pick that name up. <laughs> no, we, we, we were on, a, we were on a, a British Airways trip about seven years ago and he was just great company. So he was I, probably fit then, wasn't he, seven years ago? So why are you having a go at him? There's no need for that. Because he's not good enough. Crookie. Top level. He, I know he doesn't look fit, but he has to be—he has to reach certain standards to referee in the Premier exactly. League. Exactly. I'm sure he's been monitored. I actually think he, he, he's okay most of the time. But he got that one wrong. Um, bit of a fun fact for you, though. John Moss uh, yesterday wrongly sent off Carl Walker and then rescinded the red card on the advice of VAR almost a year to the day since he sent off another Carl Walker, Carl Walker-Peters, and then had to uh, rescind that red card on the advice of VAR as well. Um, right, well, That's the catalogue for you. <laughs> Let's move on to Burnley against Arsenal. Um, the Emirates breathing a collective sigh of relief last week as Arsenal came off the bottom of the table. They were brilliant against Burnley. Well, not quite, and they were lucky themselves. It was a right decision here to chalk off a penalty which was initially rewarded because Aaron Ramsdale did brilliantly to come out and get a touch on the ball. I thought, and I'll put my hands up here, I'm not sure about Aaron Ramsdale. I thought it was a bit too short to be a Premier League goalkeeper Crookie's been banging on because he's his best mate about the personality he's got. I thought he was outstanding in this match, which was very difficult for Arsenal because they were the second best team in it. Yep, I texted him on Saturday night, said keep up the good work, smashing it. <laughs> he's absolutely loving life at Arsenal. He's embracing the challenge. And listen, it's not just about personality, but I think that is a bit, that was a big part of the attraction for Mikel Arteta. He's actually gone on record as saying that since. He's got character, which Arsenal have lacked over the last few seasons. But he's a very good goalkeeper. Yep. He's a good shot stopper. He commands the penalty area. The one criticism at times is that he tries to do too much. He tries to get too involved in the game. I think he's matured and he's learnt maybe that isn't the best way to approach it. I think he will be England number one long term. And again, that's a bold statement. No. But I think he's that good. And I think he's made a massive difference to Arsenal. No, and he was man of the match. I don't think it was uh, it's a bold statement because I don't think the England goalkeepers are particularly of an elite level. It's all a very much a much of a muchness. So there's a, every chance that one of them is going to emerge to, to replace George And if his Pickford, personality and character sets him apart from the rest, of course. I think Gareth Southgate will note that. And I understand that. It actually that. is very similar to Jordan Pickford in, in terms of his personality and his characteristics because he's another one, Jordan Pickford, that I think at times try to do too much, try to get involved in too much, try to do things quickly and, and can't calm himself down at times. And I think Aaron Ramsdale's had the same issues as well. And I think with maturity, we've seen it with Jordan Pickford and we've seen it with Aaron Ramsdale. And I think working, particularly in an area, I think goalkeepers especially, work with psychologists to yeah. try and calm themselves down in certain situations. I think Jordan Pickford and Aaron Ramsdale are very similar in those respects. I think it is worth pointing out that Burnley had more shots not only on goal, but on target than Arsenal in this game. And they were a real handful. Yeah, it's another win that papers over the cracks to a certain extent because um, Ramsdale was man of the match. Therefore, you know that Arsenal have come under a lot of pressure. Big North London derby to come at the weekend. I mean, it's, it's difficult at this stage to, to think who's had a worse start of the season out of Arsenal and Tottenham, which sounds ridiculous because Tottenham won their first three games. Well, if Tottenham had won now. today, they would have had more points at the start of the Premier League season after five games than they've ever had before. So... 
But that's not a true reflection of what we've watched. No, because they were absolutely terrible today in the game. Um, Norwich against Watford is our final game. It was a Saturday three o'clock game. Norwich, the only team uh, in the Premier League without a point. It's the first team in Premier League history uh, to lose 15 consecutive games in the Premier League with the same manager. They've lost their first five league games of the season for the first time in their history. Their manager afterwards said, we can see too many goals and we make too many mistakes. Somebody say something positive about Norwich. Okay, right. Uh, what about Watford? Ismail Assar did very, very well taking his two goals. Yeah. Are you two uh, well, still can, with I'm, me? <laughs> I, I'm still with you. I can talk more positively about Watford. This was a game that you felt that neither team could afford to lose, could you? you? You talked about two sides before it kicked off that you'd be a bit worried about, really, from what we've seen so far this season. Um, you know, Watford, I know they won that opening game against Villa, uh, but since then it looked a bit flat. And... Before the game, it was a game that neither side could afford to lose. So you want I I had this down as a one-all draw because I just felt it was that type of game. But you know, they they is minor stars a, a top player. We know he is because we, we we've we've seen it in the past in the Premier League, and we we know that clubs have, have shown an interest in it as well. Um, so they, this was a, a huge win for them. Um, it's a little bit of a marker for them, I think, particularly against a team that, that you would say are going to be right in the mix for relegation with them. Um, look, I thought the defending for Saar's uh, second goal was average. Uh, oh, sorry, the first goal. Uh, that's been kind to Grant Hanley. The third goal given after a VR check was absolutely haphazard. They aren't good enough. And, and Martin Keown said on Match of the Day, I think, on Saturday night, they don't look like Premier League players. And ultimately, that is the issue, the quality issue with Norwich. And look, we're going to get a lot of stick for keep having a go at Norwich. And, we, you know, we'll try and say something nice about them when they do something that warrants it. But ultimately, this is a team that aren't prepared to compete in the Premier League because they don't have the resources or they haven't employed the right people to be able to do it. Well, they've spent money this summer as, as Norwich fans they haven't spent keep it telling me on well. Twitter. Well, what I think they've done is spent it on players for the future and players with the aim of getting them back from the Championship. Which um, is what we've said about the top 26 club all in all. I know that you went over the top with your criticism of them, but ultimately... That doesn't sound like me. That, But ultimately... It, you know, the premise of what you said was true, even if you said it badly. Um, speaking of saying things badly or not, um, ask Matt Holland about the uh, WhatsApp that's just appeared on his uh, on his mobile. What's it say, Matt? What's that newspaper headline from, from 2016? Ramsdale. It's from Aaron Ramsdale. It says, can Crookie stop pestering me, please, on a Saturday after I've just won the game? Oh, no, it's not. It's from Crookie. It says, uh, Jonathan Moss, the Premier League referee, makes more mistakes than any other in the top flight, a study reveals. 2016. Here we go. Right. Well, listen, let's not victimise anybody else and get yourselves in more trouble. Matt Holland, thank you very much for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We'll be back on uh, Thursday to look ahead to all the weekend's Premier League fixtures. It's the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. If you'd like to uh, react to anything we've said tonight, it's at Sam Matterface on Twitter and 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 and... Alex underscore Crook bring it on this is the game day podcast from TalkSport the Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them expert opinions we share them the best fans in the world deserve the best be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.